0: love talk radio
1: you are now listening to clns radio your source for all things basketball
2: you cannot stop this guy this guy is unbelievable right now and with the way he's playing he's played an outstanding brand of basketball you're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing what are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? You're fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, Not I go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit, the guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more
3: do you want? Ambition. Yeah, Ambition. Yeah, 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 he did a dream a dream, to
2: Broadcasting Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio.
3: they gonna let me for my ambition, ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream what's was harder to live. Yeah.
2: Here's your host, Simo Buckett. they gonna let me for my ambition, ambition. Welcome on into episode 152 of the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Buck, and it is Tuesday. June 21st, 2016, and the NBA season is officially over, and we have ourselves a champion. We're going to recap it here for you on episode 152, 152 episodes in. We'll recap Game Six and Game Seven of the NBA Finals, and we got a lot to talk about. It's 4:30 p.m. East, or excuse me, 4:30 p.m. Pacific time, 7:30 p.m. Eastern time. We're starting a little bit early. I'm way too hyped to get this going. I want to talk a lot on the show, a lot, a lot to get to when it comes to this NBA Finals and how it took place, a lot of topics to get to, a lot of newsworthy stuff or two days from the draft, a couple of things that have gone on off the court, obviously, when it comes to news and rumors have been spreading and flying. We got a lot to get to today. But I want to talk about the NBA Finals for the most part. And if you want to call in, the phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I'm, I'm so in the mode of just talking and wanting to get to you and give you my take on ultimately what I saw throughout the NBA Finals and especially in these last two games, which, let's be honest, Might have been the greatest couple of games we've ever seen in NBA history, and we're never going to forget these games that we saw over the weekend. Whether it was on Thursday, whether it was on Sunday, it was some legendary basketball, and I need to talk to you about it. Let's get it going. Kevin Hart, get in the building. And Kevin Hart, let's start it off. Let's go. All right, all right, all right.
4: You're going to learn today.
2: If you are a LeBron James hater, if you love LeBron James, if you are a Steph Curry backer, if you are a Steph Curry fanboy, if you are a legacy writer and someone out there who just needs to hear an opinion that's passionate about all things NBA that happened over the weekend, you're in the right place. The Hoopers' Log is here for you. And if you want to go back to some to some uh, some Oracle prophecy writing, Go back to episode 119 of the Hooper's Log with about eight minutes left in the podcast. We predicted what happened in the postseason and what we thought would happen in the NBA finals, and it came to light. But let's get into this real quick. And I also made a proclamation in that podcast as well, in those final couple of minutes that I talk with eight minutes left in the podcast that you'll hear once you enter the eight-minute mark. And you'll hear me make a proclamation that I'll ring true. In this episode 152 today, let's go back and recap the last two games of the NBA Finals, though, shall we? Game six of the NBA Finals. First of all, setting up the stage, the Warriors led the series 3-2, heading into game six. Draymond Green was coming back. A lot of the national media was writing off the Warriors as NBA champions already because Draymond Green was coming back. They expected some big things to happen for Golden State. But fair enough. 73-9 team best team in the land, no debate, coming into game six. Everyone had it written down that the Golden State Warriors were going to get it done. Nope. As the best words that Draymond Green can explain from last year's championship parade,
5: uh, nope,
2: Cleveland decided to come out on a rampage 31-11 to in the first quarter, and at that point it just turned into a how are the Cavs going to stave off the Warriors the rest of the way. Golden State played like garbage that first quarter, and they came out in the second quarter and bounced back. Cleveland still had a big lead, 59-43. to They were up 15, I believe, at half. And the Golden State Warriors found a way to bounce it back, make it close going into the fourth. But Cleveland still found a way to take the lead that they did in the fourth quarter and keep that lead at bar at bay the way they needed to heading into the fourth quarter. They were rolling back into, into isolation basketball. They were making some bad plays kind of heading into the fourth. But Cleveland found a way to hang on, and they dominated game six, 115 to 115-101. Everyone in this game talked about Steph Curry and his six fouls. Everyone saying, oh, he's the MVP, he's the this, he's the that, he's the – xyz blah 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 blah. Steph Curry Steph Curry Steph Curry he got all these fouls that weren't warranted he did this he did that hey let's be honest he put himself in some pretty crappy situations when it came to the circumstance in game six of putting himself in early foul trouble that's all Steph Curry look you can say what you want about the last two fouls the one where he should have stripped Kyrie Irving okay first of all you have four fouls why you're reaching in Why are you reaching in on a player on the road when your team is getting dominated and you're putting yourself in that situation? For all we know, Steph Curry, all he needed to do was play tough defense. He still has four fouls, comes down the court, and he has one foul to spare with about eight minutes left in the game. Cool. Great. Your team still has a chance to win. You can't put yourself in that situation. Then when the the sixth foul finally came, He's hovering and hanging around LeBron James and doing things that are just absolutely moronic, absolutely dumb, trying to get the extra, make the extra effort play on players on the road when you're desperately needed. Dumb. He put himself in situations where he was going to put himself in a foul trouble scenario, and he did. And ultimately it led to his demise getting fouled out of the ballgame. Now whose fault is that? That's all Steph Curry. Steve Kerr? After the ball game, he sits there and he says, oh, he should be disappointed. He's the MVP. He should be getting all these calls. Blah, 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 blah. And look, Steve Kerr is defending his player. He's saying what's right. But you knew he was going to get fined. You knew he was. You knew he was was looking to get fined. He didn't care. He wants to win a title. He knows it's coming out of his paycheck, but who cares at the end of the day because he's trying to get an NBA championship. But here's what I got to say to you as the generic, you know – generic NBA fan, listening to this, if you're a diehard basketball fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Coming out of game six, Cavs win by 14 in a dominating fashion, and let's be honest, Golden State played great in the middle portions of the third and beginning of the fourth quarter. They played great, but they lost absolute cool on and off the basketball court. Steve Kerr, oh, he should get those calls. He's the MVP. Okay, here, let me debate you this, Steve Kerr. Your team's 73-9. and How are you now tied 3-3 going back to Cleveland after being up 3-1, whether you had Draymond Green or not going into game five? Explain me that. Riddle me that, Steve Kerr. Why are you also getting so enamored about your star players getting into foul trouble on the road? They put themselves in that scenario. Steph Curry was on fire in game six. 30 points, 8-20 from the floor, 6-13 from three. Klay Thompson at 25, he put himself in foul trouble as well. Not necessarily, actually, he had two. Draymond Green did as well. He had five fouls. He almost fouled out of the ballgame. Klay Thompson did pretty well. And In fact, you've got to give Klay Thompson a lot of props at the end of the ballgame, putting himself on the podium, speaking for his teammates who were completely off the rocker in game six. Who else deserves credit? How about this? LeBron James in game five. 41 points, 16 rebounds, and seven assists. And then in game six, 41 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. Good God, this man was a monster. And we sit back and we talk about the Golden State Warriors. They didn't have a good game. They didn't play well. They weren't good enough to compete. How did Jeff Curry get all those bad calls on him? Why did he get this? Why did he get that? Hey, how about this? Let's flip the narrative. How come the Golden State Warriors looked like the Oklahoma City Thunder or, go, or or Cleveland Cavalier-ish. How come they looked like the team that lost their cool in game six? No one talked about it. No one spun it that way. Everyone spun it, oh, Cleveland just came out and dominated. And the Golden State Warriors, oh, they'll be fine. They got game seven back at home. Here, let me flip this again. Game four, after game four, all of us said it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I said it, too. Golden State takes a game on the road, game four, up 3-1, going back home. Graymon gets suspended 48 hours later. Look, he's getting suspended, but you got game five, up 3-1, going back home with momentum after a road win, and you lose. And you allow 40 to 41 from two players on the same team, and you get dominated at home. Down, You're up 3-2. You go to Cleveland. You get Draymond Green back. You got Steph Curry, the unanimous MVP, he goes off for 30 points. Klay Thompson goes off for 25, and you still lose. And Draymond Green doesn't show up. Again, eight points, ten rebounds, six assists. They don't show up. It happens. You still lose. You get dominated. You only score 11 points in the first quarter. Where'd You, wh- wh- you didn't show up. You didn't show up, Golden State. And then on top of that, at the end of the ball game, on social media, Steph Curry's wife, Aisha Curry, what does she do? Oh, the NBA is rigged. Oh, I okay. This is where I gotta go off. Look, okay, this is why I made the show early. This is why I started the show at seven thirty PM Eastern right now. Aisha Curry, look at it. Okay. You wanna talk about rotten eggs, spoiled trash? I mean, you, you, you list off the adjectives that describe this, this single tweet by Aisha Curry. The NBA is rigged. I saw it. I was there all for money. Okay, you might have that opinion, Aisha Curry, and a lot of people might back and understand your opinion and idealistic views of what this is all about. Believe me, I get it. But at the same time, hold on. You're going to sit back. and Look, you're the wife of the unanimous MVP of a 6'3", 185-pound soaking wet, miniature, oversized five-year-old on the basketball court. I'm a Steph Curry hater. I'll admit it. But guess what? You, you are the absolute, and I get she was going through a tough time at night, but you are the absolute last person on the planet to step back and say, oh, the NBA's rigged. Oh, they 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 let go. They're letting Cleveland win. They're giving them all the calls because they because my hubby didn't. He got fouled out. I swear it's rigged. It's not fair. I was there. I saw it happen. Hey, Aisha, let me let me slap back some reality for you real quick. Where were you two years ago on social media? How popular were you in the limelight two years ago? You know how many followers your husband had on Twitter two years ago from the day? Little over five hundred thousand. Now he's got a little over 5 million, maybe 10 million. Steph Curry is one of the most popular basketball players on the face of the earth all because of what? Why? What? What does he do? He's the greatest shooter of all time. No one will debate that. I'm not going to debate it. I'm a Steph Curry hater. He's the greatest shooter I've ever seen. I will ever see period ever all time. No debate. 403s. No debate. Greatest shooter of all time. He's the Babe Ruth the you name it he's the greatest shooter ever unanimous MVP 73 and 9 guy who's not as big as LeBron nowhere near as talented as LeBron nowhere near the size of LeBron doesn't have the accolades of LeBron didn't have the hype coming out of high school like LeBron all of a sudden the narrative media creation two years ago Aisha Curry where were you what kind of spotlight limelight were you on Hey, let's flip the narrative on you, Ayesha Curry. Hey, guess what? Where was your, where, where's LeBron James' wife two years ago? You know what LeBron James was doing two years ago? Getting cramps in the finals. Getting cramps in the NBA finals, and he was getting all the shade in the world thrown at him. Yet you claim that the NBA is rigged. You sit here, and you step back, and you tell me, that the NBA is rigged when your husband gets unanimous MVP. When you got guys like Shaq from the early 2000s, you got MJ from the 90s, you got LeBron from three years ago going 67-15 and with that ball club in Miami with one of the greatest, if not one of the greatest, all-time seasons I've ever seen, and he has a couple guys who don't vote him MVP because they got sour grapes. And you're going to sit here and tell me that your team – got hosed because they want to make more money? Way to way tee to, way to that up. Way to tee it up for me, Aisha Curry. I'm a Steph Curry hater, and you know what? I'm going to step back, and I'm going to sit here and say, you think the NBA is rigged, unanimous MVP, the extra money, the shoe deals, the, hurricane, you know, the, the Under Armour shoe deals that your husband's getting that's feeding your faith and your family and your pickets you got. And you're going to sit here and tell me that the NBA is rigged? Oh, Game 7 got juicy. That's where it got juicy. And the best part about it was, too, the best part about it is that Aisha Curry, uh, I couldn't get off the bus in time. Oh, they're, they're not letting Golden State fans get off the bus in time in Cleveland. Oh, it's it's all fixed. It's all phased. It's all this. It's all that. Can you imagine if LeBron James's wife said those things on social media? Can you imagine if any other – high-profile John Wall's wife or John Wall's girlfriend or of anyone John Wall's significance or any of these other players, Kevin Durant said things like this. Can you just imagine? Just step back and imagine what kind of reaction the social media outlet would have if someone had this kind of reaction to this kind of, quote-unquote,
3: oh, it's rigged, it's this, it's that.
2: Imagine that. Walking into game seven. Sour grapes, Aisha Curry. Oh, it was in the heat of the moment. Get out of here. Going into game seven, both teams, this is an amazing stat, both teams tied at 610 points apiece going into game seven. And let me tell you this. First of all, LeBron James has already come off back-to-back unbelievable basketball games in Golden State in game five and in Cleveland in game six. Walking into game seven, it was like, two things were going to be defined. Either we're going to see the greatest team of all time in the Golden State Warriors, which would become debatable with you know, the 95-96 the, the Chicago Bulls, or you're going to see the greatest team, or you're going to see the greatest player of all time beat the greatest regular season, one of the greatest, if not the greatest regular season team we've ever seen in NBA history, in the Golden State Warriors. And you're sitting here, I'm, look, I'm sitting here getting ready for Game 7. I'm getting chills. I'm not even a Warrior fan. I'm not even a Cleveland fan. And what we saw in Game 7 and what I proclamated and, and, and projected and, and predicted was going to happen back on April. I believe it was April 19th, if I'm not mistaken. Or April 15th, my apologies. Day before the postseason began, Episode 119, where we made our playoff predictions. I made a proclamation that if LeBron James won the NBA Finals in seven over the Golden State Warriors, he's the greatest player of all time. And I'll get to that in a moment after I talk about game seven. 610 points to 610 points walking into this one. LeBron James could be the GOAT, or the Golden State Warriors as a team could be the GOAT. Quarter number one was absolutely sensational. Cleveland outscored Golden State only by a point, but both teams were absolutely on point. The referees were outstanding, unbelievable. It was great basketball to a tee. Draymond Green, you, you talk about, look, like I've said millions of times, and you're going to hear it again, if I had a media vote for an MVP in the league, regular season, Draymond Green gets the vote. Did you watch game seven? When we sit back 50 years from now, and we're watching Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Finals in 2066, and we look at who was absolutely unbelievable, and we step back and recognize who won the MVP that season to who should have won the MVP for that season. Draymond Green was the man. 32 points, 11 of 15 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3, 15 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals. The man did his job. The man, Draymond Green, was the man. He did everything he could. 46 minutes played. 11 of 15 from the field. Unbelievable. There's nothing else you need to say. Draymond Green was the best player in the NBA all year long for the best team in the league from the standpoint of wins. No debate. No debate. And and guess what? He also had the heart and the balls to play damn near the entire game. 46 minutes out of a potential 48. Damn near potential. And guess what? Our unanimous MVP, 39 minutes. Look, you got one final game of the year, and you want to win a championship. What do we want our MVPs to do in the NBA? What do we want them to do? What do we ask of them? What is our one main criteria and what we want them to do? We want them to come out, balls out, win ball games, and do all, all they can to win a championship. And Steph Curry only had the balls. I don't give a damn. And even today it was proclaimed that he didn't need surgery in the offseason. So I don't need to hear any excuses from you Steph Curry fanboys, 39 minutes played. He should have been out there for the whole damn game. 48 minutes, or 46 like Draymond. And what did he do? 17 points, 6 of 19 from the floor, 5 assists, excuse me, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and he had 4 turnovers. And he also threw a ball behind his back late in the game in the fourth quarter that was absolutely horrendous. This guy, the media blew him up. He's not as good as we think he is. He's great. He's a legend. He's going to go down as an all-time great. You're talking top 10 point guard, please, please get that, get that out of here. Clay Thompson, 42 minutes played 14 points, six of 17 from the floor, two of 10 from three. Hold on. We were talking about this team as the greatest team of all time. And now we have a scenario where they can't even show up in games where they're needed where there needed to be big, where there needed to be clutch. Clay Thompson did it in Game 6 in the Western Conference Final. I give him a pass. He struggled. He doesn't have the label of MVP on his back like Steph Curry or like LeBron James does or like any other MVP that there ever has been. He doesn't have that label on his back yet. In my opinion, he's still the best shooting guard in the league. He just struggled. It happens. Cleveland's defense was phenomenal. It was absolutely incredible. And Golden State actually played very well in the second quarter. They played to a T darn near perfect. Twenty seven to nineteen. They outscored Cleveland. They ran their offense. They did everything possible to win the ball game. Everyone was playing great. Draymond was shooting the shots he needed. Golden State was up forty nine to forty forty two at the half. And they looked like they were gonna win the championship. I'm gonna sit back and tell you, look, for all the The headlines I'm about to mention here in the next couple of minutes and all of the scrutiny I'm about to give Golden State, all the love I'm about to give Cleveland, better recognize, better put some respect on this Game 7. I'm telling you, put it up there. Because this second half of this Game 7 was possibly the most intense, incredible series of basketball I've ever seen. And it's not because Cleveland won. It's not because Golden State lost. It's because it was just that unbelievable. Look, people, quarter number three, Cleveland cut it back to a one-point uh, uh, deficit for Golden State. They had the lead going into the fourth, up one, 76-75. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I was, like I said, not even a Cleveland Cavalier fan not even a Warrior fan, and my body was shaking. I had to drink some whiskey. I had to chill the nerves. I had to calm it down. By the way, the referees were absolutely spectacular in the fourth quarter. Ab, you you talk about a final 12 minutes of a ball game and everything you want to see, the best of basketball on display. You saw the toughness, the grit, the determination from both teams, the heart the extra hustle there were times and you know, who deserves a lot of respect in this game who got none. And to be honest was a no show for the first six games of this series. Kevin love. Yeah. Listen to this stat line. I know he only had nine points. I know he only took nine shots, but 14 rebounds, three assists and two steals. This guy dove for loose balls. He grabbed the offensive balls that were necessary for this team to make the extra outlet passes get things going on the offensive side of the ball. Kevin Love was huge. And the last time LeBron James played in a Game 7 of the NBA Finals, Chris Bosh was a no-show. No points. I believe he had like nine rebounds or seven rebounds or something. Kevin Love made himself a presence in this ball game and made himself known throughout the land that he was a big presence in Game 7. Without Kevin Love's performance in Game 7, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't win the championship. In fact, this was a complete team effort heading into the fourth quarter for the Cavs to cut it back to a one-point deficit. And I'm just going to be honest, the the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter was spectacular basketball. It was two teams duking it out back and forth, slow pace, defensive stops, back and forth, great basketball. But the part that I think we all need to remember in game seven, of this 2016 NBA Finals, two legacies on the wire, the greatest team of all time against potentially the greatest player of all time. Five minutes left in the ball game. Clay Thompson hits a layup to tie it up at 89 to 89. And what happens? Both teams get a couple, three, four, five possessions left in the ball game. The Warriors make great defensive stops. Cleveland kind of went back to some isolation basketball. LeBron pulled up from three on multiple occasions and missed clanks. Golden State came down, and I'm telling you, I rewatched it today at work, and I rewatched the final five minutes of the game. And watching it, you see Golden State go into their sets, and I'm just gonna say here and say Cleveland's defense was absolutely unbelievable, and what they did to what they did to absolutely just distraught Golden State, allow for Golden State to get into their offense. And there were times where Golden State got great shots, but every time they did, Cleveland found a way to dig deep and attack the three-point line and try and get a man on someone, and it worked. Cleveland then came down on multiple occasions, made their turnovers – Golden State tried to make the fast break. Andre Iguodala down the lane. LeBron put the cape on. He put the cape on. The Superman music was in the background. And he made the greatest block I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we talk about Tayshaun Prince and what he did to Reggie Miller about 10 years ago. This was about, I don't know, 30, 40, 80, a thousand times more important than that. I, I, you, can't, you can't put into words how... I mean, I went crazy. Like, my girlfriend was looking at me like, what are you doing? Oh, LeBron James just made a block that uh, is not human. Uh, we need to get the FBI down here immediately and say uh, this, this guy needs to be tested for, uh, for, for actual uh, unidentified species because that block was the most insane block I've ever seen. The dude's head was above the rim. His left arm grabbed the rim. And he blocked it a shade before it touched the backboard. And when, once he did it, you heard the collective gasp in the arena. Because let's be honest, Andre Iguodala makes that layup. It's 91-89. Cleveland gets the ball back. And maybe they don't make a shot down the other end. And if Steph Curry or whoever comes down and makes another shot, you got the greatest team of all time. We just went back to back. That, that was the greatest thing we've ever seen. Then they come down. LeBron misses a shot. Golden State gets the ball back. Steph Curry does some dance moves on. And, again, Kevin Love, huge defensive switch on Curry, unbelievable defense. And Curry, again, another boneheaded shot selection that I've been saying since November that he takes these god-awful, ridiculous, horrible qualified basketball shots that I've been saying for the last four months. And everyone's like, oh, it's because it's Steph Curry. It's a good shot because it's Steph Curry. He can do that because it's Steph Curry. But if every high school, college, 29 other NBA teams, if he did that on that, he would be sat on the bench, wouldn't be, put, wouldn't be playing for the rest of the game because that's how bad a quality of shot he takes. If they just get into their flow of their offense, and they get it done, they take the lead on multiple occasions. The ball behind his back to cause a turnover. Steph Curry flat-out choked down the stretch. Say what you want. He's getting all the shade in the world. Can you imagine if LeBron James threw a behind-the-back pass on a half-court transition play with two minutes left in Game 7 of the NBA Finals tied at 89? Can you imagine? LeBron would be getting sliced, diced fed to the poor used as mulch I mean you name it LeBron James is dead tonight he's, dead. he's he's been dead he look he's done Steph Curry does it uh, you know not here not here on the Hoopers log are you kidding me and then Kyrie Irving look you talk about one of the greatest shots you'll ever see in NBA history. Don't get me wrong. Isolation basketball, it's not something that I preach.
3: But let me t- oh.
2: You talk about medicine. You talk about medicine for Steph Curry all season long. 400 threes. How many of those threes of the 402 that he made this year, did he do dancing with his defender up on, the top, of the, on top of the perimeter of the key? From 30, 35, 40 feet out, shooting isolation basketball all year long, get 82 games, 100 games, you name it. And what happens? 55 seconds left, Kyrie Irving, one dribble left, one dribble right, step back, three-pointer in the eye, in the cranium, in the cornea of Steph Curry's face and inside his skull, wherever his eyeballs operate. Kyrie Irving jumped in there scooped out his eyeball, shot a three in his face, rattle, rattle, ding. 92-89. One of the greatest shots you'll see in NBA history, and you'll remember for the rest of your life until the day you die as an NBA fan. And Kyrie Irving in that game, by the way, you talk about Uncle Drew in the clutch. Look, they need to make a new Uncle Drew commercial. Just, just put together some clips of this NBA Finals Game 7 of Uncle Drew And just make a new commercial, because that was stupid. Then you come down, and again, that's where Curry tried to make the three, missed it. LeBron almost makes one of the greatest dunks in NBA history. Draymond Green, clean block. In my opinion, it was clean. They called a foul because LeBron went down with some serious force. I thought he broke his arm. I thought he broke his shoulder. I thought something bad had happened. And he goes to the free throw line, misses the first one, makes the second, and at that point you're thinking, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen this. Like at that point you're thinking, what else is this for there for this man to do? In LeBron James. Ten seconds left. Golden State gets the ball, down four. Uh, I believe it was Curry or Clay Thompson misses the three. Maurice Spates gets it. And I'm gonna tell you my circumstance before I go to the phone lines in a second, but as I'm watching Maurice Spates shoot the shot, and I know it's already over because I see LeBron getting excited, and I see LeBron getting hyped up and, and, and pumped up for his team. I, I don't know if you did this as a fan or as anyone out there, but I, I started bawling. Like, I started crying. And it was uh, – I think everyone who was – is from Cleveland – has seen what just happened and understands the pain of that city, the amount of jokes that Cleveland has been the butt of for years as a sports town, as anything you can imagine, knowing all the hatred LeBron James has received over his 13-year career, the decision, knowing some of these guys like J.R. Smith, Amon Schumpert, playing for the god-awful New York Knicks, seeing – Tyron Lue, who got stepped on over Allen Iverson, who was a joke for the last 15 years, knowing the scrutiny that the Cavs faced as an organization when they got rid of David Blatt and Tyron Lue became the coach, and all the jokes and all the hatred that the Cavs faced, all the all the times this team has gone through, the series that they just went through, being down three to one. All the emotion, the effort, the extra hustles, the defense they played. They just held Golden State to 89 points. And don't get me wrong, alcohol was a big part of it. But I started balling. I mean, I, you see, look, if you're, any, if you're an athlete of any type, a hardcore athlete, whether you name it or not, and you saw LeBron James's expression in real time, not replay, none of that, in real time, and you're watching his expression go from excited to all of a sudden, you're just seeing it on his face, the flood of emotions. That wasn't scripted, people. As much as LeBron James is a part of trying to get his team, his, his, his offhanded comments, his, his this is that, all the stuff behind it, you eliminate that the moment that happened. That man went through an emotional circumstance at the end of that ball game. that Went back to his childhood of bringing a championship back to Cleveland that had been droughted, droughted for 39 years the moment he entered the league. The drive in Cleveland. Broncos over the Browns. Browns leaving Cleveland in the mid-90s. You keep going. The Indians in the mid-90s. The drought that they had faced as, an, as, as a city. And LeBron finally brought it. And you saw that on his face. You saw Jarrett Smith in his tears, the press conference. I I cried a lot. lot. I cried a lot on Sunday. I mean, and it was not because I'm not even a fan of Cleveland. And just seeing the struggles, like, again, I I hate to be a preachy guy on the radio. I really hate to because I understand the beliefs of everybody. But at that moment in time, when you sit there and you watch LeBron now, don't get me wrong, he may have over it a little bit laying on the floor and stuff, but when he started crying and getting getting emotional overall, and then you pan to J.R. Smith and, and Kyrie Irving and other guys crying, and, and then you see Tyron Lue on the sidelines just sobbing. That's sports. That's all you need to know. And I lost it. I mean, my girlfriend was sitting there asking me, why are you crying? And I'm like... Because this is some of the most beautiful stuff you'll ever see in the land of sports, ever. I mean, period. This man, at the age of 17, with the narrative on his back, claiming that he's going to be the king to bring back the, the, the crown to Cleveland, the championship that they so sorely have been missing for so many years. And through all the drama... The, the offhandedness, the, the, the backstabbing, the this, the that, everything, through all of it, he did it. 31 years of age, people saying that other players were better players than him. Derrick Rose in, o, in a 2011, Steph Curry the past two years, people trying to keep writing him off constantly. The narrative never stopped. It kept going against LeBron. And this man put it on his back. And the most amazing part about it was he went from, he went from Miami, a 30-win team in 2013-2014, to winning a championship 24 months later over the greatest team, five minutes from being the greatest team of all time in the Golden State Warriors. And LeBron James just, I mean, if that doesn't spell the greatest player of all time, Which I proclaimed, I'm not one of these phonies that said it over the last three games. I said this, if he wins the series in seven over the Warriors, I'm proclaiming him the greatest. Now, you don't have to, and I would understand why, especially through contextual argument and an argument that would suffice me. I get it. Now, as long as you have him in your top five, then I understand your logic. I really do. But for me, MJ, there's no way MJ could could bring a championship to Cleveland. I'm sorry. He couldn't do it. Magic Johnson, he played for the Lakers, so it's kind of unfair to, 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 to say that. Larry Bird played for the Celtics. It's kind of unfair to say that. Wilt Chamberlain was a guy in his own class. Maybe Wilt could have done it. Maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could have done it in his prime when he played for Milwaukee. Look, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar brought a championship to Milwaukee. That's insane. But from the standpoint of just the narrative and the amount of expectations this guy had on his back, to bring a championship, he did it. 27 points in game seven, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, three blocks. Yes, he had five turnovers, but he did everything he could. And Kyrie Irving hit the shot of his life and had the series of his life where he's now, in my opinion, heading into next year, a top five point guard in the league. And it's just game seven was unbelievable, just flat out absolutely spectacular. And I'm going to get to the phone lines here in a second, and I'm going to get to my guy, Steve Silver, and then I'll get to my other guys. We've got Justin Rowan on the line. I know he's on the line. I know Chris is on the line. Um, if you could tweet me what your phone number is, please do so, and I'll get to you. But I'm going to get to Steve Silver first. He's been on the line for a while. Hey, Steve, man, what was your reaction from the NBA Finals and what you saw?
0: Um, well, first and foremost, uh, my reaction was, uh, congratulations to the city of Cleveland, um, because anytime, time that you're in a drought that gets into the 50s, uh, it doesn't matter where that championship comes from. As long as, as long as those those fans are taken care of, to me, that's what this championship was about. I mean, if you put it in context and you put it in perspective, there were guys, there was guys and gals in their teens and early 20s back in 1964 watching Jim Brown win that championship, and 52 years later, these cats are now in their 60s and pushing 70s. Uh, and, you know, it, they had to wait that long just to, just to witness another championship. So, to me, first and foremost, all the love goes out to the city of Cleveland. Finally, the drought is over, and finally you don't have to worry about the shot or the, you know, or the drive or the fumble, you know, or you worry about Jose Mesa in Game 7 in the, 90, in the 97 World Series. All of that can be put, put to rest because your, your, your native son, LeBron James, delivered – on what he promised he was going to do when he came back, and the manner that he did it, and mind you, they were down three games to one. Game five, game yep. six, and game seven, they 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 did what no other team has been able to do, which has come from a three-one, and basically, and and take advantage of the fact that Steph Curry was completely non-existent in these NBA Finals. That's that's that to me that was the biggest. That that was yep. probably one of the bigger, bigger factors. On top of the LeBron James triple double in Game Seven, which by the way was absolutely phenomenal, it's the fact that you have an un- a unanimous MVP and now you're now you're in the NBA Finals. So you get there. This is this is your time to shine. You're the MVP on a 73 win team, and this is your time to come out and play. This is your time to not only not only justify the 73 wins, but also justify the fact that everybody. You know, everybody, everybody bowed down and put put that vote on your feet as the first you know, unanimous, and you come up. You you disappear in the NBA Finals? In the NBA Finals, you disappear. You're up three games to one. You have a closeout game right. on your floor, and you disappear? You disappear? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm not going to sit here and say that Golden State lost it and Cleveland didn't deserve it because they earned everything. LeBron James deserves it, deserves to have all this adulation because, again, fantastic series from him, especially in games five, six, and seven. But let's be perfectly honest. I mean, it takes two to tango, and Golden State, you know, Golden State. I, I have no idea what, what you know. If they had nothing left in the take. I, I don't know. But to to be non-existent in those, in those last three games, and the manner in which they lost, Lord have mercy.
2: My apologies. My apologies. I was muted. Um, my apologies. I look, you're right. This NBA Finals was. Steph Curry was non-existent. And you know what's crazy is as I've been thinking about it and how I would show and throw all this dirt onto Steph Curry. You know what? I'm not going to do it because guess what? I'm a Steph Curry hater. And you know what? As all the flack I've given him all year, this is kind of this is kind of the karma that all Steph Curry's fanboys deserve. This is kind of the karma that the fans are finally recognizing that it is really hard to win a championship, I mean, look, it's not guaranteed. Just because you've won 73 games, just because you've gone 18-0, and just because you've won 116 games, Patriots in 2007, Mariners in 2001, this Golden State Warrior team, they're all in the same conversation now. And so for that to be said and for that to be stated, this, this Golden State Warrior team and these fans and, and Steph Curry – they're going to come out and recognize that they're. I wouldn't necessarily call them the villains heading into next year, but at the same time, hearing all the rumors that are spreading around with potentially Kevin Durant coming through if, if he doesn't stay with the Thunder, which I doubt it's going to happen. I think he's going to stay with the Thunder, but uh, and Dirk Nowitzki potentially coming there if he, which he's opted out of his free agency, which out of his contract. This this team is in a is in a weird scenario right now, and these fans, I completely understand if they're going through. An absolutely brutal time. Steve, I'm going to put you back on the line, okay, bud? we got a ton of people on the line. Sure. Um, so I'm going to keep you, keep you listening. Absolutely. Thank you for your take. Absolutely. Fantastic take. Um, Justin Rowan of Cavs Nada, this is you, right, bud? Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah, it is.
2: I want you to give me your reaction on how you were feeling throughout the last three games of the finals and just overall – the, the pulse you had going forward as the, as a Cavs insider and what you saw covering this team, just, 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 give me what you got, man.
1: Well, obviously it was unbelievable. Like you, you had to be prepared, um, especially after going down three, one, uh, basically the write the obituary for the season. You were, uh, was obviously focusing on what the next step would be. Um, talking about the learning experience that these finals would be for Kyrie Irving. Um, but then as the, the series kind of progressed, you just keep getting more and more hope. Uh, after Andrew broke going down, I thought that was going to be significant. The Draymond green suspension obviously gave you a little bit more hope. Um, I just kind of hoped you get through game five, felt confident going into game six that LeBron wasn't going to lose two on his home court. And then game seven, uh, I mean, it was, you you saw the game. It it was, the margins were close. Um, One play basically ended up being the difference. Uh, uh, It it was absolutely unbelievable. It was um, some of the most intense basketball um, I've watched Um, It was nice, as you mentioned earlier, that the referees did not take control of the game. Uh, The the final five minutes were chaotic, um, but it it was incredible to see these teams go back and forth uh, without interference of the refs. Uh, They didn't become the story, and the game was won on the basketball court, and and nobody felt slighted by it. So um, I I think that's all you can ask for as an NBA fan.
2: I think watching this game down the stretch of game seven. Look, I mean, and this is the thing I was telling people heading into game seven. I saw a whole bunch of people on Twitter mentioning, I'm so nervous for this game. And, and the thing I would tell people little, I, we're kind of our own community on Twitter. We're our own, our own little basketball community. You got your fans. You got the people who are, you know, insiders, experts. You got people who are, uh, you know, you got people who are casual fans. You got people who know the game. People who are players, kind of like Chris who's on hold. We're going to get to him in a second. And uh, you got other fans out there. And... Uh, there were people who were Golden State fans and, and Cavs fans sitting back saying, Hey, you know, I'm so nervous for this game. And I kept telling them and I messaged them and I, and, I, and I texted them through Twitter and I said, Hey, look, as a Spurs fan, I've seen it go both ways. As, you know, on the road, uh, loss to Cleveland, or excuse me, the Miami Heat in 2013, I, I was absolutely gut wrenched at the loss. But at the same time, especially after the way game six ended, but at the same time, you know, you saw one of the greatest players do what he did, and in one of the greatest years I think LeBron ever had. Not that this isn't much. This is great. This is way better. But I saw that, and I saw also 2005 when we won the NBA championship over the Detroit Pistons in seven. It is as devastating as it is uh, as it is uh, uh, great. You feel great as much as you do devastating, but. At the same time, mm-hmm. Golden State fans. And at the same time, when you watch what they did, being up three one, especially look, and this is the this is the gut wrencher for them, and I totally get it. You win Game Four the way you win Game Four. It look, all of us. I think any, unless you're an absolutely delusional on some sort of you know uh, some sort of drug type person. Who thought that Cleveland would come back? Look, after Game Four, it it was bedridden, like you said, putting it in stone. I mean, whether Draymond Green was suspended or not, whether Tyron Lue got fined for his for his comments on the official, it, it looked like it was over. Going back to Cleveland, or excuse me, Golden State, and even though they lost, when Kyrie did what he did, and what LeBron did what he did in Game Five, I mean, and then Game Six was what LeBron did, and then and then and obviously the game set. Like you said, people will not give enough credit for how unbelievably legendary game seven was those final five minutes man like i said i I, if i wasn't inebriated i don't know if i would have made it i was sober and i was freaking out i was like oh my god every single shot every dribble every pass every decision every time golden state grabbed a rebound it felt like golden state was going to go on a 10-0 run in two minutes every time cleveland grabbed a missed shot i thought lebron was going to come down and dunk and break the backboard. Every time Kyrie had the ball on each dribble, every like every single waning second, I thought something absolutely magical was going to happen. And as it just kept ticking down, and no one was scoring for four minutes straight, and it stayed 89-89 going into that final minute when Kyrie shot the three, and he made that three. I I did this thing with my girlfriend. I was watching the game live. I didn't know what happened. I was watching it on kind of a little bit of the delay. I was watching it on Wi-Fi. And I looked at my girlfriend, and I, and I walked towards the door, and I almost left the room because I was like, I can't handle this. This is too stressful. Like, I, I couldn't – like, I'm not even a fan of either of these teams, and I was stressed out. I, I said, I'm out of here. Like, I got to go. Like, I can't I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> like, this is way too intense. I can't imagine if you're a Cleveland fan or a Warrior fan. I mean, this was just – this is basketball at its absolute Peak, mountaintop, precipice. Use the adjective. This was the greatest basketball I think we've ever seen. And like I said, fifty years from now, in twenty sixty six, you can almost write it down. No matter whether whether we're watching you know television or or some sort of other type of thing going on, whether you name it, whether we're watching TV in three D, this game will be on some form of, of television site, and we'll be like, bro, that game seven in twenty sixteen. That was bonkers, bro. Like, that's what we're all going to be saying. This is on the level of the 2010 NBA Finals between the Lakers and Celtics. Look, that game was unbelievably legendary. This game was on that level, if not higher. Absolutely crazy. I mean, what was your take from what – the Golden Look, as, as a Cavs insider and, and obviously covering the team all year long, I mean, could you have envisioned this happening? And I know I picked this team in seven, but not to come back from down 3 1 and the facet that they did. But could you have envisioned this happening back in February or, or late January when they made the change with Tyron Lue? It's just absolutely insane.
1: No, you assume that the coaching change was going to give them uh, a little bit more toughness. I thought Tyron Lue was going to be able to get to this team more. Um, it, not in my wildest dreams would I imagine that they'd be able to come back from a 3-1 deficit. I mean, no team had even forced a game seven in, in his finals history after being down by that deficit. Um, Obviously, having LeBron James, you believe that he can overcome these things and he can do things that are are absolutely historic because he's made uh, a career of making the unsustainable look sustainable and and making it the expectation. Um, So obviously, you have a belief and a confidence, a kind of a trump card with LeBron. Um, But no, uh, given the mental collapses of this team, uh, random road losses to Portland by 30 points, um, a string of consistent gains against a 73-win team uh, just seemed uh, outside of the realm of possibilities when when you looked at them back in February. It's just just
2: absolutely incredible. We have Chris from L.A. here. Uh, I think, Chris, I want to ask what you have to say about the NBA Finals and then... I'll let you ask Justin any questions you want. And then we also have a caller on the line, too. We'll get to him in a moment. I swear we will. Um, But, Chris, uh, take the floor with what you saw in the NBA Finals. And if you have any questions for Justin,
0: feel free. Uh,
3: Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Uh, First of all, I have to go at Curry. I have to go at Curry because I think Curry really got exposed. Uh, You can easily see that Curry is good, but – if you bully him and push him around enough, he can't exude his greatness. You won't be able to see him do what he does if you just push him around. Like, you kind of saw it in the Thunder Series a little bit where they pushed him around and he was less effective. But this is, we really saw him get pushed around off the ball and he just disappeared completely. You know, with they bumped him off. Of, and when he tried to run off any screen, all his off-ball movement was just shut down completely because every time he took a step, it was a push, it was a jab, it was something. He was getting hit in his chest, and it was just too much for him to handle. And I think it's going to be a long summer for Curry. It really is, because he didn't show up in the finals. Uh, All the things his wife said, you know, just a lot of negative attention on him right now. And I think it really is – it it really exposed him a lot. He got exposed this year. He really got exposed for being – a I don't want to say one dimensional, but it kind of is kind of one dimensional. If you take away his jump shot, he's really ineffective in a basketball game. If he's not taking those wild three pointers and draining them, there's really not too much, too many other things he can do. Yeah, he can pass, he can handle the ball, but he's not a great, super great defender. He's a smart defender, but not a great defender. He's not an awesome rebounder and point guard like Russell Westbrook. Um, he doesn't block shots or anything. There's not too many things he can do other than drain the three. So I think over the summer uh, and all seasons, Curry needs to either build some muscle or get some explosiveness. Either he's going to have to add in uh, some crazy bounce, you know, somehow, or he's going to have to add in some more mass and muscle to his body. Because right now he's just simply too weak to compete on a higher level. When they start pushing him around, it's just – he can't do anything because he just – it's kind of like he just folds up, you know, because there's so many people always hitting him and pushing him, and he really can't even respond to that, you know. And I, yeah. I, I think Draymond showed his, showed his flash of his greatness. I think yes. if Draymond can add in consistent scoring ability like that, if his, if his three-pointer can, can be as consistent with the way he cuts to the basket and way he can pass and rebound, he will be – not oh. as good as LeBron, but he will be a poor man as LeBron. Easily. Easily. Yes. yes. Easily. Because he, he really did everything that they needed from him in game 7 scoring score-wise, and it just was a flash of the future for him for me, you know. And I think that next season he will probably be in MVP conversation because Draymond really – if he can get rid of all of the extra antics, I think he will be in MVP conversation easily because Draymond is really one of the top ten players in the league, and just I'm really it's kind of off off topic, right. but it'll be it'll be insane for Kevin Durant to go and play with the Warriors. I think that would be stupid on both parts because they don't yeah. need more yeah. shooters. They need more toughness. The Warriors need they, they need Adams from the Thunder. They don't need another shooter. They need a big man who can bully somebody who's going to rebound for them. They don't need they need a, a healthier Bogey. They don't need another shooter. They don't need that. They need a, bigger, a big man that can take that five spot and play hard. Or they need Harrison Barnes to play with some confidence. They don't need another shooter.
2: Exactly. I 100% agree. And your point on Curry as well that I fully agree with, Chris, is, look, you can make the case that Steph Curry is going through exactly what LeBron James did five years ago. Exactly. It's exactly the same thing. Now, with the as, uh, with the as insanely, uh, you know, verbose – uh, boisterous, Did he, was he talkative as much as LeBron and, and bragged and all? no he wasn't but at the same time you know from the standpoint of how he portrayed himself on the court, how he acted on the court, the way he projected himself towards everyone in the media and everyone on the basketball court and especially in moments especially like in, in a, I believe it was game 4 or game 5 against Portland when he said I'm back or when he proclaimed that he was the best, or when he proclaimed that he's here to stay, or when he's this and that, when he does his little antics. When he claims these things, you put yourself on a stage higher than what you are. And that's what Steph Curry was this regular season. Unfortunately, in the post in the in the finals, he did not show up. And he deserves all the flack for that. And heading into the off season, if Steph Curry wants to keep this level of hype for himself and keep it like LeBron, like a LeBron, like an MJ, like in this, like in that. If he wants to keep it like that, like Chris just said, you have to add something to your game to make yourself stay there. All of the greats have found ways to adjust and have found ways to uh, adjust to their body, have found ways to compensate for, for getting better, have added things to their games. Every single great player has. Now, has Steph Curry done that? Absolutely over over the last uh, two, three years. He absolutely has. But he needs to, like Chris said, add another dynamic to his game to become tougher and better on top of find a way to keep himself in, in, in in the spotlight of being potentially the best player on the planet with guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron James. But Steph Curry, he didn't show up. He was soft. He was weak. He was absolutely off his game. Hey, Justin, can you, can you kind of shed light to what the Cavs were doing in, in this series to get him off his game? I've said it off the ball that it, they, they kind of bullied him off the ball to get him uh, uncomfortable, was there anything else that you saw that the Cavs were doing, not just to Steph Curry, but to other shooters on the Golden State Warriors to get them uncomfortable? Well,
1: I think the biggest thing, uh, well, it does need to be mentioned, even though it's not an excuse. Steph Curry clearly wasn't himself physically. Um, he wasn't able to make the same sharp cuts, step backs, things like that. But players play hurt all the time. LeBron was hurt in last year's finals, he was hurt all last season. Um, Dwayne Wade was limited in finals. Uh, we've seen uh, all types of guys battle through injury, so it doesn't excuse the dumb mistakes he made, the uh, mental errors like the, that bad behind-the-back pass. He, he flat-out made a lot of bad decisions that have nothing to do with injury. Um, but what the Cavs were able to do that the Thunder weren't able to do was really test him on the defensive end of the floor. Possession after possession, they would run pick-and-rolls designed to get uh, Curry onto LeBron. Um, against the Thunder, uh, they were able to hide Kirby, Curry on Roberson. Uh, Curry, Curry is a good defender, but obviously, when you start talking about guys like Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving, you you want the best defender out there, um, at, at least for the guard position guarding those type of guys. So that's why you have Clay Thompson at six seven with a seven foot wingspan on those players. Um, so I think right. wearing Curry down and forcing him to to defend. Uh, especially against LeBron, Uh, that takes a toll on him. Um, I don't think he was physically ready uh, from a conditioning, a strength standpoint uh, to go possession after possession of um, carrying the load on defense as well as offense. Um, A lot of times he made the right play. They were blitzing him in the pick and roll and trying to take away uh, that Curry green pick and roll. Um, But, at some point when your team starts losing, you need to stop just making the right play and and you have to be a little more assertive. And I think that's where he ultimately failed.
2: I agree with you. I I think, I think the blueprint that Oklahoma city laid out for Cleveland really helped them going into the final. I think if go, I think if golden state actually, and this is, I know this is obvious to say because of all the rest and all that kind of stuff, but from the standpoint of defensive strategy, I think if I think if the Golden State, I think if sorry, I think if the Oklahoma City Thunder didn't push the Warriors to the, the way they did and force them to adjust their hand, I honestly think that the, that the Cleveland, I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, would have had a very 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 tough time defending Steph Curry, and I think it would have been much harder for them. I think the adjustments that Billy Donovan put. On the, on, on the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals uh, significantly helped out the Cleveland Cavaliers. I said something to this degree prior to the finals. I said, with the way that Oklahoma City has been playing, especially once Golden State made that comeback to win the series in seven, I made the point, look, what Oklahoma City's doing right now, because remember, Cleveland won their series in six, as you know, uh, Justin. Uh, when, when they came back in that seven-game series, I said, Cleveland's probably sitting back and thinking, oh, man, even if Golden State comes back and win, we're just going to kind of take what, what they did defensively against Curry and Thompson, and we're just going to maybe tweak it a little bit on switches. It's going to be insane. Um, it's going to be absolutely insane what what, uh, what they're going to do in the NBA Finals. And the Cleveland Cavaliers did that, and they switched off guys like Tristan Thompson, like you said, LeBron James, other guys, Kyrie Irving had his shot at him sometimes. Uh, obviously, Amon Shumpert, for the most part, early on in the series. They found ways to wear down Curry off and on the ball uh, to get it going. Do you think, Justin, also as well
3: – that the
2: uh, that the that the Golden State Warriors, while playing the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first four games, do you think they became a little bit overconfident when they uh, when they when they attacked them going into Game Five and Game Six?
1: Oh, I, absolutely! I, I certainly wouldn't recommend ever poking the bear. Um, a few beat reporters have brought this up. I believe Brian Windhorst as well as uh, Ethan Sherwood Starliss have both mentioned. Uh, that after four games of this series, uh, the the Warriors didn't respect the Cavs coming into this series, and and they didn't respect them after four games. Um, And and I think they underestimated just kind of the impact um, that LeBron could have on a series. Um, And and I think that mistake ultimately led to them being more relaxed and uh, helped make this comeback possible. Um, (laughs) They certainly must respect them now, Um, but ultimately I I think they tried messing around with them too much, and it it was a big part of why they ended up uh, blowing that lead. And uh, Clay Thompson's talk about them being better than the Showtime Lakers uh, apparently inspired a bit of a debate in the Cavs locker room on whether or not they actually were, and I think that drove home just how good this Warriors team was, so it was a combination of giving them uh, kind of that sense as well as uh, underestimating them.
2: For years from now, we're going to see the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers series. It's going to be on documentaries for years to come, I can guarantee you, from the Cleveland perspective, from Golden State perspective. This whole series in Game 7 by itself was a storybook waiting to be written, and I can guarantee within the next 20, 30 years, we're going to have documentaries on this series by itself. It's going to be incredible. We have a caller from Fresno, Adrian from Fresno. He's on the line. Hey, Adrian, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing good, bud. Doing good. What
4: was your take on the NBA Finals, man? Uh, I think it was just overall a really good series and great basketball by on Cleveland's part. Uh, they never never gave up, and that's the the main thing you got to do, especially being down 3-1. And, and like everyone's been saying, I think Curry just didn't show up. And I, my father had actually uh, called this. He knew that Curry was going to crack. Or not cracked, to say, or actually not cracked, but not really show up. Yeah, he he was really ineffective for of oh, game seven. Yeah, seventeen points. I think he missed about ten shots with it from the floor. He was, yeah. He, he was yeah he was uh, not himself and like um, that other caller was saying, he really just needs to develop something else, uh, trying to get to the hole or or just become. And a, a really effective if he can't be a shooter. Um, I think this cements LeBron's uh, place in the top three. My top three, and it should be other people's top three. He, uh, yeah, with two games, single-handedly changed, went from uh easy series in five to now a game seven that it will go down in history as one of the best uh, play uh, playoff games and even final games. And <clears throat> excuse me, uh, really, I just, I thought Cleveland deserved it. They fought harder, and like like other people were saying, I just think that, that the Warriors, yeah, they, they looked overconfident. They were talking about how they were better than the Showtime Lakers and how they were, um, uh, Steve Kerr saying that he's the MVP, talking about Curry, that he didn't deserve these calls, you know, just, boosting themselves up as if they are head and shoulders above the rest. And that's what I took away from the finals. It was a really good series as a basketball fan. I was happy that I witnessed it. I'm 17 years old. It was some of the best basketball I've ever seen as in my short yeah. period of watching basketball. So it was just a really fun yeah. series as a basketball fan. I'm, I'm not a fan of either team, just like a majority of the people watching. But – yeah. It was yeah, I was just excited. I was I was emotional, I was in it, just as like you I know, was on the floor, you know, it watching it was intense, sweating, <laughs> jumping, it was it was a big <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was a crazy game and I couldn't understand how the fans in the arena felt when they seen Kyrie hit that dagger to win it.
2: Oh man, they must have just been they must have just been absolutely. You could feel it in the arena that the breath. They, look, when LeBron made that block, oh. you could feel the arena just kind of, just kind of, just 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 bubble a little bit with with like, oh, oh, oh God, yeah, what just happened? Yeah, definitely. And, then, yeah, and definitely. then you saw, and then you saw when Kyrie Irving hit that shot. They were like, well, in a weird way, it was like, dang, like he made that shot. And in another way, it was like, we know Steph's going to come down and try and do it too, and he did, but he missed. It was another horrible. Another bad shot from the outside, bad quality look from from Curry oh, on the outside. Yeah, yeah. He's done it multiple and, times throughout the season.
4: Yeah, and and um I forgot to say earlier. Oh props to Kevin Love. He on that last shot yes. that Curry just threw up, he played phenomenal defense on him, keeping him not giving yes. him space to shoot. And and Kevin Love who was ostracized the whole series of not being effective, not doing this, uh People were saying to sit him out. I know, like you said, how people on Twitter are were so angry of him starting. after the game, he came back, and and I know that I don't know if it's in his head if he's thinking about it, but he was locking down the uh, unanimous MVP, and that that pretty much, if Curry hits that shot, then people get on his case. But nobody really. I have not heard a lot of people say uh, good job on his part, and yeah, I think he did played really good defense on Curry on that last shot. that game that game seven by kevin love was was one of the best show up
2: performances, and I'll ask you in a second, Justin, but the one thing you said, uh, the one thing you said, Adrian, that really uh, resonated with me about how you said uh, your dad said that that Curry was not going to show up in this series, and I've said it for a long time. I don't like basketball players that set their game in uh, outside in. I like basketball players that set up their game. Inside out, whether you're a guard, whether you're a big man, whether you're a stretch four, you're a, you're a, you're yeah, a point yeah. forward, whatever you are, the best way you can, you can play your game. And the, and the way basketball was meant to be played was to play as close to the basket as you can and how you set yourself up and, and the best way to be as successful as possible is to go inside and, 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 and really establish a game down there, whether you're making your shots, whether you're getting position, whether something's going your way or whether you're finding an angle to the rim. Somehow to get inside is the best way to establish your game because then the defender respects you and they have to play off you. That's when you shoot from the outside. That's yeah. when you break down the defense from distance. The problem with Curry is, and I've said this for so long, and it's the reason why I don't like him, and it's, it's, it's and there's more reasons why I don't like him, but this is the reason why I don't respect his game per se. Because everyone's like, oh, you should respect his game, blah blah blah. It's because he sets his game outside in. The problem is, is if you set your game up outside in, and your outside game's not working, you become useless. And Curry, when you saw him shoot the ball from the outside in, and you try, and you saw him try when his jumper wasn't hitting, you saw him try to establish inside out. The problem and he was just, he just that couldn't. He, yeah. He, exactly he's just too slow to get to the paint now is he smooth does he finish at the rim with with the best of them is he is he finesse enough to finish around the room with the best of them in physical context yes but the problem is is that he doesn't get he he's not fast enough to break angles of defenders in the nba on a consistent basis can he do it against teams or players with a lack of ability to to play a, a good defensive angle can he get a good angle at times sure but on a consistent basis, he can't Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, guys of that nature can. And that's why when they set their game up inside out, the moment they can get inside and they can get in your head as a defender and they can attack you on the inside. And then when you start attacking on the outside, that's when you as a defender become scrambled eggs. You can't do anything. You can't guard them outside. You can't guard them inside. You become off balance. And that's when you become an unstoppable force. Curry has always set his game up on the outside in. Fortunately for him, his outside shot is so lethal and so dominant that when he does set it up from the outside in, people think it's the new way of basketball, when in reality – that's just not how it works. That's not how it, it, it's supposed to be done. And, and, on, and on a majority, 99% of players, Curry's the only guy, maybe even Clay Thompson now, but majority of players, they you cannot set your game up outside in. It doesn't work. It won't yeah. work. It never works. And you saw it in this series, and it was evident as all hell because every time he tried to get into the lane and create an angle and create fear down low, he got absolutely dominated. And, yes, he finished around the rim. But still, he could not, He was not confident enough creating those angles to get to the rim. So on that, uh, that was what I said. Justin, I wanted to ask you this real quick, uh, Adrian, and then I'll let you finish. Um, Kevin Love's performance in the first six games clearly was not evident of what his contract was worth. What, what do you make of his makeup of the team throughout this series, throughout the season, and then compare that to what he did in Game 7. What, what was your makeup of him overall
3: throughout this entire time?
1: Um, Love's an interesting case because he helped so much against 28 out of 29 teams. But the Warriors, when, when they go five wings, which really is what it is when Draymond Green plays center, with Green being a, about 6'5", uh, he's as short as a, a tall point guard, um, it really does become hard to play Love. Um, I thought Love had competed as well as he could on defense throughout the finals. Um, He has physical limitations to what he can provide on that end. Um, But he was obviously a little bit dejected. He knew this wasn't a series for him. Uh, He admitted to needing to be a decoy in a lot of ways, uh, kind of standing in the corner. And and that's tough for somebody of his caliber. Um, So to see him come out in game seven and, play through a couple misses early on. He he missed some open shots. He missed an open three um, and, and continue to battle for the boards and, and do the little things um, that you need to as the third star. That's kind of taking a step back uh, for the greater good. Um, Chris Bosch ha- had zero points in the, the heat's game seven win uh, over the Spurs. And he was still significant because he played defense and he did other things. Um, so Kevin Love doing that, uh, I think it speaks well for the uh, the future. I don't know necessarily um, if that future is in Cleveland. I don't think they openly shop him or anything like that. Um, but I think if the right deal came along, they w- they would entertain that type of an offer. Um, but Kevin Love's a hell of a player, and um, it, the scrutiny that he's received, and honestly, the scrutiny that the Warriors are, are going to receive after this finals. Uh, I don't think it's all warranted. Um, some certainly is, and you have to question the limitations of Love's game and uh, as it concerns uh, team building around him. But he, he's a hell of a player, and he made a, an impact when it mattered the most, which is all you really want from players.
2: I absolutely agree with you on the scrutiny of Kevin
0: Love because Look, the
2: guy was, I mean, look, he did struggle. No one's going to debate that. He struggled scoring the ball. He struggled from the standpoint of of being involved in the offense, Um, from the standpoint of being an option. He did struggle. But outside of that, he wasn't necessarily given the option. He kind of was like a DeAndre Jordan from the standpoint of he wasn't ever really given a chance to be an option on this team throughout the playoffs. But then again, when he was given a chance to be open, he just never hit his shot. So, from that perspective he did struggle but yeah you're right on the whole the scrutiny he's getting I think especially now winning a championship is a little unwarranted and I think like you said look and I said it from the beginning when I talked about the Warriors they were five minutes away from winning an NBA championship and don't get me wrong being down being up 3-1 and losing the finals is no excuse and I'll still harp on a team for doing that but at the same time look five minutes away tied 89-89 for about four minutes I mean you can't you can't really knock them for that, from that perspective, from the standpoint of, oh, they're so bad at this. Did they choke? Yeah, hell yeah, they did. But from the standpoint of a one game, you know, five minutes away, it was really nip and bud that close for both teams. And I think if you replayed the final five minutes of the game, I think both teams make adjustments to do things, but I think it just – if we could rewatch those final five minutes again, over and over and over, I think you could have millions of different scenarios that could occur, and maybe the Warriors win more of them than we think. But at the same time, look,
3: Cavs got it done;
2: they won the NBA championship. Adrian, is there anything else you want to want to say before you get off the air?
4: Um, I uh, just want to congratulate Cleveland. I know it was a very long wait. Uh, I have no, I can't imagine how it feels to wait. Wait for. Can't imagine how it feels to wait. Fifty plus years for your team to win, but yeah. congratulations to them and um, great season,
2: great series. Absolutely, it was unbelievable. Hey, thanks, Adrian. Have a good one. Man.
4: You too.
2: Absolutely. All right, that was Adrian from uh, from Fresno and Justin. We have we have what, we have uh, someone, uh, Danny from Orlando. He's been on hold for a very long
5: time. Hey, Danny, is there anything
2: you want to say on the show?
5: Guys, first time caller. I'm glad I got this link at the last minute. So, um. No, you know, as far as the finals as far as the finals go, you know, from my perspective, yes, I'm one of the few crazy people that actually predicted Cleveland is gonna win the series, even down three one. So
4: and what? I actually
5: have radio I have radio evidence to prove it. So I do I'm not I'm not big for that. Nice. So um you know, if you look down at the series, Kyrie Irons is one of these guys that you know, stepped his game up completely into a whole new level. And even talking to Kyrie back in April when they were here in Orlando. Um, he told me personally, you know, it's one of those things where he knew he was feeling himself now. He got more comfortable. That locker room, when I saw them in, in April, those guys were ready. They, they were just completely ready. They were, a different, they were a different team and a different mindset. And even speaking with the guys, you know, through uh, April and even into May, you can tell that they were ready. And – they withstood everything Golden State had to offer. And we're going to talk about Draymond yeah. Green, the suspension. We're going to talk about Andrew Bogut being out. But let's just be honest. Right. The Warriors got outplayed for three consecutive games. For as much yep. as you harp on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, where was the, the entire team in the fourth quarter when they scored 13 points in game six and game seven in the fourth quarter? Exactly. Nowhere exactly. to be found. Nowhere to be found. Yep. You, we, could, we could say Kevin Love was missing on a milk carton, well, we said that about Tristan Thompson the entire season. But Tristan exactly. Thompson shows up in the finals. Um, and lastly, to the point of where do we go from here, uh, Kevin Love, in my opinion, will not be back next year. The only question yeah. is that because we, we've, learned, we've learned in the finals, honestly, that LeBron yeah. can play the four. You can find any decent to medium-sized small forward talent talent-wise, and guess what? You're going to win. Why? Because you have LeBron James. It's very simple. So, but yeah. I will tell you this: if we see Kevin Durant end up in Golden State, and I don't know, I, I've heard mixed, I've heard mixed stories about Kevin Love, Kevin Durant going out to uh, Golden State. It would not shock sure. me if Durant ends up in Oakland. That Carmelo Anthony ends up in Cleveland. It's an yeah. arms race. Yeah. It's an arms race. You know, it's it's it's, it's like you I know, know the nuclear wars back in the day. Hey, look, you're, you're, you're I going to go find that. a super okay. friend, if you don't find a super friend, I'm going to go get one too. And then guess what? We're going to be sitting yes. here next June talking Cleveland, Golden State, part three, <laughs> where to take
2: off. Right, exactly. But, and and, and the, point you bring, the point you bring up that I think is fantastic is where was the rest of this bench? Where, where, were the, where was the rest of this bench uh, for the Golden State Warriors going forward? I mean, you talk about a team – that you you talk about a team that in game one had 45 points off the bench, and and we're talking about Sean Livingston and all these guys coming off the bench playing absolutely incredible. And as the series played out, almost to a T,
3: from game one all the way
2: to the end of the game, the bench just completely dissipated and disappeared. I mean, you talk about a team that just, like you said, got outplayed. And what's the link to your radio
5: show so that people
2: can check out your radio heaviness? I love to hear it.
5: Hey, the show is called Full Court Press Radio. It is on, actually, we're on yeah. on tomorrow night. So, you know, tomorrow night? I got to show okay. love because so, yeah. tomorrow okay. night, 8 p.m., uh, we'll be on the Happy Hour Network. Uh, like I said, we'll post the links. You know, big shout out to the guys at, at NBA lead. you know, uh, for joining up with us. So, you know, I got to show love. You know, we started, this, we started working yeah. with you guys, you know, a couple days ago. So when I saw the podcast, the first thing I was like, I got to jump on. Not have to be a guest just to call in and show support you guys. And, and you know, just hey, no on man. the show before as well, too. I think Justin's been on the show before, so. So, yeah. Yeah, you, know, yeah. it was great. Great, you know, great kicking with you guys That's tonight. Good. And, like I said, call, call in tomorrow night. We're talking draft, you know. And, like I said, we're going to be supporting you guys no yeah. matter what. So, it was a pleasure being on.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Danny. Have
2: a good one,
5: buddy. You too.
2: All right. Awesome. That's good stuff from Danny in Orlando. Um. Justin, man, the Cavs are NBA champions. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say before we start talking NBA draft a little bit before we get off the air?
1: Um, Yeah, I got, I got to run pretty quick. Um, But uh, no, it's, it, it's still tough. Like my, my feet still haven't quite touched the ground looking back at it. I was someone that did believe that last year, the Cavs would have won uh, if Kyrie and love were healthy um this season, right. I, I, I truly believe that if Draymond Green wasn't suspended and if Boga was healthy, the, the Warriors would have won. So it, in my mind, looking at it logically, this um, matchup should be 1-1. And it'll be interesting to see, as he alluded to earlier, the, the arms race between Golden State and Cleveland, uh, as these teams are only going to try to get better. I think the Cavs are going to try to bring over their um to their draft pick from last year, uh, Seti Osman, who who played fantastic in international play. I remember seeing him and his Turkey team um, beat Germany with him, defending Dirk on some possessions, sometimes switching on to Dennis Schroeder, kind of a small forward, Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what these teams do. um it, Golden State has a lot of questions too. Um, they, they won't be able to keep this fantastic supporting cast forever because a lot of that is facilitated by the small contracts uh, or the small contract of Steph Curry. Uh, they got tough decisions at the center position right. as is clearly, clearly not the answer to the future. So uh, it's, it's a big off season for a lot of teams. Well,
2: Justin, I wanted to thank you so much. And Hey man, we talked to you back in I think it was November or Jan or December, sometime back in the day. We talked to you when Andrew was a part of the show. Unfortunately, Andrew's gone and left and done his own thing, but uh, I'm still thankful for when you called in. And I don't think we would have thought that we'd be sitting here, you know, two days after Father's Day, and sitting and saying that the Cleveland Cavaliers would be NBA champions, especially with <laughs> Golden State being undefeated at that time, doing what they were doing um it's it's truly one of the greatest stories in sports history with what cleveland just did this year and again congrats man for covering this team and Mm -hmm. i'm sure it'll be something you'll remember for the rest of your life
1: absolutely well thank you very much for having me on enjoyed it um there's no way i could have pictured this moment but uh it's right back to the grind Uh, david griffin's apparently trying to get a draft pick there's the kevin love question so uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about in the future. You only get to be champions uh, for so briefly before you, you have to start yeah. that defense where it's a lot of teams coming at your back.
3: Exactly. Well,
2: thank you again, Justin. Have a good one, bud. And uh, so with that, let's talk about the draft. We've got about five five minutes left in the show. Um, Adrian and Fresno. Hey, Adrian,
4: just Adrian, here. You can be on the show, bud. What's up, man? Uh, um, Nothing much. Just. You're... I'm anxious for the draft as a Lakers fan, so right. I, I can't wait.
2: Oh shoot! Okay, I wanted to ask you this question since you're a Lakers fan. I know you're a big Lakers fan. I yeah, see you on pretty Twitter pretty all the time. Fair, do you yes. think? Do you think Brandon? Do you think Brandon Ingram is going to be uh, in a Laker uniform come uh, Thursday night, or do you think they're going to pick up someone else for the Lakers? Um,
4: I, I think uh, Ingram is the obvious choice. Uh I have heard rumors that Buddy Hill they're really interesting in but if since Simmons is off the board now that the six is confirmed they will be picking him I think Ingram yeah I yeah. think it, the Lakers would miss out would mess up big time if they don't pick him up I think besides Simmons he's on one of the only other players in the draft that can make an immediate impact as soon as they get in the league. Well, and another thing, too, is it, this is
2: the thing that's frustrating to me. I mean, we're just chilling here. We're talking on the radio, you know. And, and the yeah. thing to me that's frustrating is is a lot of people think that this draft is so – there's no there's, if, if people are telling me oh, there's not really a ton of great players in the draft. Look, I'm sitting here looking at this draft board like obviously Ben Simmons is, tra- is transcendent. He's he's kind of like a miniature LeBron. Brandon Ingram's yeah. a pretty good uh, when he when he gets bigger he's going to be a better scorer. Chris Dunn. I don't know if you've heard this story on Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn when he was nine years old was gambling at the age of nine and hustling people to try and survive on the streets where he was living with his brother. This guy is a flat out freak from Providence. He's a he's a point guard six four. 220 point guard, heart of, of a lion. Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, Buddy Healed, like you mentioned, he can walk into the NBA right now and score 20 for anybody. Um, you got yeah. guys like Denzel Valentine, Bryce Johnson from North Carolina, you got Malcolm Brogdon, Malachi Richardson, uh, you got a couple other guys, De- Demontis Sabonis, and then you got a bunch of other guys that haven't really been talked about, but are guys that can go into the league right now and be uh, be guys who can be productive. Isaiah Whitehead from Seton Hall, Diamond Stone, yeah. he's kind of a eh, but he's a big big guy from Maryland. Fred Vanfleet, senior from Wichita State. Gary Payton too, senior from Oregon State. Oh, Wayne yeah. Sheldon, S- Wayne Seldon Jr. Kansas. He's a junior. Yogi Farrell from Indiana. He knows how to lead a squad. You got Perry Ellis from Kansas, senior. Isaiah Cousins, senior. George's Niang, Iowa State, fundamental, six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pounds, sophomore from Iowa State. Marcus Page, Ron Baker. You got all these solidified seniors heading into the league this off season in the in the in the in the draft. I don't understand where all this talk is coming from from the draft is so shallow and so non-blunt. What, what's your take on that, bud?
4: Oh, uh, I just you know people are are quick to think just because it's not a big name, they're not productive. It's Definitely it's not the draft class we had last year with Jaleel Okafor, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Porzingis. But as you mentioned, there's guys in that draft class that could go and be productive. Stone's a big guy. He could can, he can grab uh, eight-plus rebounds a game. He's really he's big. Right. And, and Buddy Hills he- Buddy who's a fantastic shooter, even though the Villanova game was not his best, I feel that he could come in off the bench and and ignite the team. So there really isn't. A, I have, like you said. I don't know why people believe this draft class is weak. And then you guys have guy. You have guys overseas like Dragon Bender, who's a really. I I like Dragon Bender. I yeah. think he's a top five player. He'll, he'll probably fall out of the top uh, four. But yeah, I think, I think this is a really good uh, draft class. They have talent, and of course they're young, so they're gonna. Have development time, so yeah, I I don't know why people are saying this. I think this is definitely stronger than the 2013 draft, or excuse me, the year Anthony Bennett. I can't remember. I think it's a yeah,
2: yeah, 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 that one. yeah. Well, knowing that, knowing that, knowing that the draft will be on Thursday, we will not be doing the show at 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll be doing it at 10:30 p.m. Eastern, 7:30 p.m. Pacific. So we'll be talking host draft on Thursday, episode 153. I'm sure Adrian will listen on in. He'll be watching. I'll be watching the draft. I'll get my popcorn and my juice ready. I know we'll be getting going. Hey, Adrian, thanks, man, for coming on.
4: No, thank you, man. Fantastic show, first-time listener. Love it.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, bud. Have a good one. Hey, like I said, episode 153, Thursday, June twenty. June 23rd, 2016. We'll recap the NBA draft for you and we'll talk more basketball rumors. Thank you again, for everybody. Have a good one. Peace.